Again, you're listening to WSLR 96.5 LPFM Sarasota and WBPV 100.1 LPFM Bradenton. Learn about traditional Florida folklore and techniques of storytelling at the Folk School at the Florida Maritime Museum. The classes take place on Wednesday, April 4th from 6 to 8 p.m. For more information, or more information is available at floridafolkschool.org. Now, the station, its representatives, radio personalities, guests, and callers do not provide medical advice of any kind or nature or any kind of medical treatment or diagnosis. All medical or health-related information contained in the Body Mind Health Show is not intended to be a substitute for your physician or for professional medical advice and is being provided for general information purposes only. Trust me, I'm a doctor. Trust me, I'm a doctor. Trust me, I'm a doctor. Hello, folks. This is Dr. Sean Stringer for the Body Mind Health Show and the Trust Me, I'm a Doctor podcast, which can be found on anchor.fm. Also on Google uh, Podcasts, iTunes Podcasts, just probably every of your favorite podcast uh, redistributors. Um, if you're watching today, too, you can watch on Facebook Live. Uh, we're live right now. And if you want to ask some questions for the show, I'll be uh, looking on the Facebook page to see if I can answer some of the additional questions that you may have that may appear today on the show. So for today's show, I'm answering questions that people asked me over the last week, specifically the last day, as it relates to some issues. So the first question of today comes from Sammy Lee, and she wanted to know what to do or take in order to lose weight. Now, I will tell you, having uh, been a doctor for 18 years, that there is no magic pill. There's no magic thing that you can take to really actually help you lose weight. Uh, diets is 70 to 90 percent of weight loss. 70 to 90 percent. So your exercise is really equating to maybe 10 to 30 percent. And uh, exercise is great. Trust me, I love it. Um, uh, actually, I don't love it that much because I don't do it as much as I should, but it's great for fitness. It's great for cardiovascular health. It's great for reducing stress. It's great for many things as it relates to your health, but when it comes to losing weight, it's just not the big major factor. So what are some things that you can do in order to lose weight? One is you have to change that diet and you have to actually make that diet part of your new daily routine, make it a new behavior, something that you're going to stick with forever. 
And you, yes, you can still cheat at times or what you would call cheat or splurge or do something like that. But you don't want to make that a habit where it's curing once a day, twice a day, several times a day. You want to make sure that you have a healthy lifestyle, a healthy diet that's going to be beneficial for you. You want to look at the long-term effects. When you eat something, you need to be asking yourself something intuitively like, how am I going to, how am I going to feel 20 minutes from now after I eat this? How am I going to feel an hour from now? How am I going to feel tomorrow? How am I going to feel three days from now? How am I going to feel a few weeks from now? Cause I can tell you as somebody who has a wheat sensitivity that when I eat wheat, it will cause me first in about 15 minutes, it'll cause me to start bloating which means my irritable bowel syndrome is actually getting irritated. And so it's because of an autoimmune response that I have to wheat. And so this reaction occurs in my body. In about 15 minutes, I feel it in my digestive tract. After that, maybe in about the next 15 to 30 minutes, I start to have asthma, which means I have trouble getting air in and out of my lungs. That could last up to 10 weeks for me. And so when I make the conscious effort of what I'm going to eat and what I'm not going to eat, the big thing is, is I'm thinking of how's my breathing going to be for the next 10 to 12 weeks makes it really interesting and really easy to make that decision on what I want to eat um, and what I should eat. Okay. And so my number one tip for anybody doing, if you really want to seriously lose weight, you need to go on a low-carb diet or a ketogenic diet. Now, when I say ketogenic diet, um, a lot of people are thrown off because they think it has to do with high amounts of meat and stuff like that. And no, it doesn't. It's about eating high amounts of fat and high amounts of healthy fats. And you can do a ketogenic diet and be a vegan. You can do a ketogenic, a ketogenic diet being a vegetarian. You can do a, a paleo diet and be ketogenic. You can do a Mediterranean diet and be ketogenic. You just have to alter the foods that you eat because the big thing with a ketogenic diet is you're actually trying to limit the amount of sugar and carbs that you're intaking your body and you're switching your body from using sugar and carbs as an energy source to fats as an energy source. We only, we only contain about Two to 3,000 calories in carbs and sugars as an energy source. But when it comes to fats, we have somewhere between 100,000, 200,000 calories of stored energy. And it could be more than that. It just depends on how fat you are. And so a ketogenic diet is the number one way to do this. Now, some people think it's too hard. And so I will recommend them to do a low-carb diet, which is almost like ketogenic light which is you can have a little bit more carbs, but if you're serious about losing weight, you need to do a ketogenic diet. And then I also like to mix diets. My favorite right now to recommend to people because um, when I work with somebody, um, I'm looking for the optimal foods that their body wants to actually work with. And so I will do, seems to be lately, I find that a ketogenic anti-inflammatory paleo diet, the combination of those two seem to work best. Now, uh, with the anti-inflammatory paleo diet, I choose those foods to use within a ketogenic diet uh, framework. 
And it seems to work best at really helping people heal up from a lot of autoimmune diseases and a lot of problems. And they're able, if they have weight to lose, they're able to do it. Now, you can do a ketogenic diet. And still, if you're one of these people that uh, have trouble putting on weight, you can still do a ketogenic diet. It's just going to take you longer in order to put up put on weight. And I will tell you, um, people, people, a lot of people think like, wow, I wish I had that problem putting on weight. Well, the people that have that problem, it's a lot harder for them to put on weight than it is for you to lose weight. And their health is usually, usually, I will see, say this from experience, their weight is usually, um, uh, or their health is usually worse off than those people that need to just lose weight. So, okay, Sammy, I hope that answers your question, and um, and I hope uh, I can help you with that in the future if, if you need more help on that. Okay, question number two for today comes from Kevin Holly, and Kevin's got a podcast that, um, and he was a, a co-host on a podcast that I did uh, a couple months ago, and uh, he wanted to know, are testosterone shots safe? Okay, so I would say I'm going to go out on a limb because <laughs> uh, I know uh, several doctors that are, are uh, good colleagues of mine that promote testosterone. I don't believe they're safe. And I'm one person that did it about 12 years ago. I did uh, I did, did uh, testosterone for about six weeks. It was when my fr- uh, first wife, uh, my late first wife, was going through an extreme... Um, uh, reoccurrence of our cancer. I was under tremendous stress. I had my testosterone levels tested. Um, they were lower than most guys that I see with low results today because I was under so much stress. I was working 80 to 100 hours a week and I was a full-time caregiver. And I had um, testosterone levels uh, right around 70 to 80, uh, which is extremely low. Now, I think testosterone levels today are what they consider normal or where they want to get you, I think they're way too high. I think, uh, uh, in my opinion, and I've seen it, uh, they're way too high. And I will tell you, studies show from short term, like one year, it does increase bone density. It also can increase cardiovascular events. Now, on the one-year term, there's mixed on that, uh, mixed reviews on that. But on the long term, over one year, um, there is an increase in cardiovascular events, meaning heart attack and stroke. It also increases artery plaque, um, which uh, is something that you don't want to have happen. And that's mainly, uh, that's some of the things that can do in order, uh, if you take testosterone as a male or a female, because females can take testosterone too if their levels are too low. Um, and then it affects with their libido, but it also, I mean, I will tell you testosterone when I took it on the short term, it did increase my, uh, my memory function. I felt like I had a clear brain at that point. My libido went up. And so other things, I saw other health benefits, uh, what I termed at that time, but I think in the long term, it's, it's wrong to play with our hormones in that way, form, or fashion. There's a reason why your hormones are off. And if you find and fix the actual reason why those things are occurring, then I think you should um, be able to uh, fix your low testosterone. 
So, Kevin, I hope that helps, but I'm going to give you some alternatives of things that you can do in order to increase your testosterone. One, we just spoke about it, lose some weight and decrease the amount of sugar. By increasing amounts of sugar, you're increasing insulin. Insulin can affect a lot of your hormones. It causes inflammation in the body, and it can affect your testosterone levels. You could do high-intensity interval training. So that's exercising um, in short uh, maximum bursts. And HIT is normally for four minutes total. And so you'll say you run in place as hard as you can for 10 to 30 seconds. And then you rest as much time as you need to recover, and then you do it again. And so your total exercise time is going to be about four minutes. Now, it takes about 10 to 20 minutes to do this as a procedure, but high-intensity interval training is fantastic. You can also do strength training. Strength training is great for increasing your testosterone levels. One of the best ways of doing strength training is doing the super slow technique. And that's when you actually uh, do reps of uh, eight seconds. So each second when you're doing a half rep takes eight seconds. So if you're doing a bench press, you're lowering it in an eight second count, and then you're raising it up in an eight second count. And you do that to fatigue. Uh, that super slow method is fantastic around here in Sarasota and Lakewood Ranch. Uh, there are several facilities that offer that. Actually, when I say several, there's three or four in each of those cities that actually offer that, but it increases strength and it also increases bone density. Uh, taking the minerals zinc and magnesium by increasing those, and I've helped a friend of mine that had uh, lower testosterone levels and low and had a little bit of erectile dysfunction issues, but zinc and magnesium are two of the main minerals that your body really needs to carry out a lot of the chemical reactions in your body. So increasing your zinc and magnesium levels would be fantastic. Increasing your amount of healthy fats. Now, I said that when I was talking earlier about the um, ketogenic diet. Healthy fats are um, coconut oil, red palm oil, MCT oil, which stands for medium-chain triglycerides, and that is mainly made out of coconuts and red palm. And so those are your good plant sources when it comes to it. Uh, eat avocados. But you want to get some saturated fats, some animal saturated fats. Those are the healthy saturated fats. They actually help boost testosterone and your other sex hormones. They are actually good for you, regardless of what your doctor or what the uh, government has told us as it relates to saturated fats. It's a fallacy. Saturated fats are actually good for you. It's these hydrogenated and these trans fats or these partially hydrogenated fats that are bad to, bad for you. And a lot of these fats that are made out of oils that make oils that are from grains, these things are what are really, really bad for you. Olive oil is also very good for you. Avocado oil, macadamia nut oil, uh, walnut oil, stuff like that. Use those things. Use some grass-fed butter. Those are some good, healthy fats that you can use. Um, decreasing your stress is going to boost your uh, testosterone levels. And 
increasing branch uh, BCAAs or, or branch chain amino acids. Those are other things that you can take in order to increase your testosterone levels. So Kevin Holly, I hope that answers your question as it relates to how to increase your testosterone. And is testosterone taking shots of that safe? I say no, but I gave you a whole bunch of different ways that you can boost it naturally. Question number three today kind of goes along with Kevin's question, and it's from Mike Mike Tonkin, who happens to be a fraternity brother of mine. But Mike wanted to know about sermorelin. Uh, taking that is uh, sermorelin acetate, which is a growth uh, growth hormone releasing hormone, and is it a safe alternative to taking growth hormone? Um, growth hormone is a hormone that our body secretes. Uh, Usually younger when we're, when we're younger, it's much, much higher because that's what causes us to grow. And then when we're adults, we see a, a drastic decline, especially after the age of 30. Um, but, uh, growth hormone at the same time, I took testosterone about 12 years ago. I also took some growth hormone. It also helps with clarity of focus. It helps with, uh, sleep. It helps with libido. It helps with a whole bunch of things. I will tell you that, but, it also has its risks um, as well. Uh, I th- it is safer than taking human growth hormone or HGH, um, but there are other options um, that you can do that are going to really um, increase the amount of growth hormone that you release. So what are those things that I think? Because I think adding things uh, to your body, um, especially if they're not from food, is very risky, even vitamins for the most part. I do like vitamins, but I like taking these things very short term in order to help rectify problems. But I think if we can change stuff with our diet and lifestyle, that means much, much more, and it's going to have much higher health benefits for us in the long run. So what are some things that can help you, Mike, to increase your your human growth hormone levels naturally? Number one is intermittent fasting. Uh, I've spoke about intermittent fasting before. This, there's many different ways of doing it. I think the easiest way for most people is to do where you skip a meal out of the day. It can be lunch, or I mean, it could be, it can't be lunch, but it can be breakfast or dinner. And it's got to be the same meal every day. I, I prefer it if it's the same meal because I want that to become a habit with you. But, where you eat within a somewhere between a four and an eight hour window. If you can eat within a four hour window, your two, your other meals, uh, for adequate, uh, nutritional, um, uh, actually, uh, uh, for maximum nutritional, um, I, uh, well, I'm loss of words here. For your maximum nutritional benefits, then, uh, intermittent fasting is a way to go. So, uh, say I skip, uh, breakfast, then when I start to eat lunch, say around 12, I want to eat either by four at latest 8 p.m. And then I don't repeat, I don't eat anything, uh, till the next day. I can have water. I can have black coffee. I can have plain tea during that time or herbal teas, uh, as long as they don't have fruit added to them. But what I don't want to have is something that's going to elicit an insulin response, which would be like stevia. Stevia, even though it doesn't ha- raise your blood sugar, it can elicit uh, insulin response. So doing intermittent fasting, you can look it up on the internet. Uh, you can contact me. I can share more information on that. 
but intermittent fasting has been able to increase and studies have shown to increase human growth hormone in females by 1300% and in males 2000%. It is by far the best way to increase your HGH naturally. The next best thing you could do is uh, within a half hour to an hour after working out, taking some whey protein. Uh, eating uh, whey protein and not a whey isolate. We want the full whey protein, um, 20 to 25 grams. Now, if you're doing a ketogenic anti-inflammatory paleo type program, uh, whey is out because you can't have anything made out of dairy. And uh, whey comes from dairy. So, but consuming 20 to 25 grams of protein post-workout um, is a great option as well. And then also doing um, high-intensity interval training, like with the raising your testosterone levels, that showed in one study to increase uh, HGH levels 771%. So, Mike, I hope that helped out. Um, there are safer alternatives to increasing your human growth hormone. Uh, question number four today comes from Eric Moresh. Eric wanted to know why is he craving chocolate after he had a heart attack? And so this is quite interesting because many people crave foods um, during the day and they wonder why they're craving the same food. Usually that food has to do with a mineral or vitamin deficiency. And so when it comes to chocolate, that mainly has to do with a magnesium deficiency. So um, you can also have palpitations, muscle cramps. There's a whole host of things. Um, women can have a regular uh, menstrual, uh, menstrual cycles. There's a whole host of things that you can have symptom-wise that could be also due to a magnesium deficiency. But here are some natural solutions for ways of increasing your magnesium. Number one is eat almonds. Almonds are fantastic. They're high in magnesium, and uh, they're a great source um, that you should do. Now, what's a serving size of almonds? Roughly cup your hand, and it shouldn't be a mound, but it should be like flat or a little uh, uh, dented in. That's the proper amount of almonds. So when you're eating nuts and seeds, it's roughly what can fit into the cup of your hand, which happens to be about a half cup. Same thing with fruits and berries. That's that's a serving size for fruits or for berries as well. When it comes to fruits and vegetables, it's roughly what the size of your fist is um, as a serving size. And when it comes to protein, it's the size and thickness of your palm, which for most people is about four to six ounces. So another great source of magnesium is spinach and also chard. So um, Eric, I hope you uh, get those dark green leafies in because those are fantastic for you. Getting in broccoli is also a great source. Avocado, again, it's a healthy source of magnesium, but it's also a healthy source of fats that you can use. Pumpkin seeds, again, just fitting in the palm of your hand. Eating that dark chocolate is a great source of magnesium. And even having some cashews. I will tell you that cashew is a fruit, more so than it is a nut. And so you got to watch out because that can raise your amount of carbs up as well. Uh, last question that came in in the last 24 hours today had to do with um, sunning. Um, and that came from uh, uh, John that had a show on from 8 to 9 this morning. Uh, and uh, John Dickman, and he wants to know, 
is uh, sunning for inflammation, going out in the sun in order to reduce inflammation in the body. Do you need to have it that skin directly exposed or that injury directly exposed in order to get that inflammation decreased? Well, John, um, like I'm going to tell you, like I'm going to tell everybody, like I told you out out in the street today, that uh, no, you don't have to need you don't need direct exposure of sunlight on that site. It would probably work a little bit better if you did. But the main thing is that when you do sunning, you want to have as much skin as exposed as humanly possible without getting arrested, of course. But you want to have that without any suntan lotion on. And you want to do it about 15 to 20 minutes a day. Preferably, do it out on the beach near a natural body of water where your feet are also on on the water or in uh, on grass, wet concrete, um, something like that as well, because what you're doing in addition is doing that earthing. So you're getting the negative ions or the energy coming from the earth, as well as getting the photons and the sunlight hitting your body as well and getting the healing effects of the red and infrared spectrum of the uh, sun. And as the UV light actually penetrates your skin, what it's going to do is it's going to convert cholesterol into vitamin D. And so that vitamin D also has a ton of health benefits as well. But by doing this, you're going to actually decrease the overall inflammation in your body. So get as much skin exposed, do it barefoot, preferably in a clean field where it has been sprayed with pesticides and chemicals uh, on, a, on grass, or you can do it on wet concrete as well. And you want to do it with that skin exposed. Now, I... This is one thing, too, is some people are fair-skinned, and one of the best things that they can do in order to um, in order to work up to it is they might have to start off at three, five minutes at first, and then add a little bit in as they keep on going in order to increase that time until you can actually get a full 15 to 20 minutes of exposure in. And um, so... Um, that's something that you can do in order to decrease your inflammation. It's cheap, it's super simple, and it's just uh, beneficial for your body. Uh, the last thing I want to mention today is I've been asked a couple of times this week about recipes and things to do. Uh, one is how to make your own kombucha. And so there's several different ways you can make your own kombucha. Um, my favorite way is I take this big glass pickle jar that I bought at Publix for like five bucks. Um, I ate a couple pickles out of it and then I turned the rest into compost. And then from there I washed it out and I, and I cold brew a gallon of tea. And so I do an oolong, a white tea and a green tea. I mix those. I, I brew them all together into one pot. So I let them sit about 18, 20 hours in just, uh, some room temperature water. And uh, then I squeeze the bags, I chuck the bags, or sometimes I'll use some of that tea for some uh, another use as well. But then I take that, and then I make a simple syrup. So I take a cup of sugar, a cup of water, I boil it up, and then I'll actually make sure that it's completely dissolved, and I make that simple syrup. I will pour it in with the tea, 
Now I check the temperature to make sure it's not too hot, not too cold, and then I will put my SCOBY in. Now SCOBY is a symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast. It's the thing that you will see that actually ferments the tea to make it into kombucha. It looks like a a slimy hockey puck because it'll take the diameter of the uh, of the um, container that it's in. So I actually have a whole bunch of these. They're about maybe six inches wide, six seven inches wide. And I get about three or four deep. I get them about inch, inch and a half deep. And uh, they will sit in there and they will ferment that tea. And then what I do is I pour it out. I leave about a cup of that in there for the next round. I will pour in. I will pour in my new set of tea and I will just uh, set that out there. And I, I sit it actually in a dark cupboard with um, uh, a coffee filter or or an old cheese or old t-shirt that I uh, washed or a cheesecloth and have that rubber band to the top, sit it up in the cupboard and let that just ferment until I like the consistency because I have my scobies so thick that usually lasts. Uh, I can usually brew a gallon of uh, kombucha in about four to five days. Um, when you first start out, you might take a bottle of plain kombucha from another company, just pour it in there and it might take a few weeks to happen, but that's one way of doing it. The last recommendation of uh, recipes that people ask me about are kale chips, how to make kale chips. And here's the simple, easy way to do kale chips um, because they're a great alternative to pit, uh, to potato chips or other chips is go get one of those big bags of organic kale. Make sure you wash it again, uh, pat dry it, then sprinkle some olive oil, coconut oil, or MCT oil on it. Uh, get it uh, where it's lightly coated in that and mix it up. Put it on a baking sheet. Sprinkle some Him- uh, Himalayan pink salt or like I like sun-dried pink salt, um, specifically from Premier Research Labs. That's my favorite brand. Uh, that's half uh, half Hawaiian, half Mediterranean sea salt. And what I do is with that, I, I sprinkle it on there. I set it in an oven for eight to nine minutes at 450 and when I do that, it comes out, they're really good. Just like that, we could do that. Or what you can do is you can also take a little nutritional yeast and pour that on, sprinkle that on top and gives it a little Parmesan flavor. So that has been the Body Mind Health Show for today. I hope you liked it.